Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Drive Through HR, the longest-running 30-minute internet-based HR-focused uh, online podcast pipe show. Um, this is Dwayne Lay. I'm in the captain's chair today, and we've got a special guest continuing our series uh, on the line with us. I believe is Mr. Jason Seiden. Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dwayne? I'm good. I'm good. I know we uh, we played a little shell game on you with hosts today, so I know Crystal was planning to be here with you, but I'm going to sit in in her place. I hope that's okay. Uh, it is, of course, I mean, as much as I miss Crystal, it is great to hear your voice. It's been way too long. Likewise, likewise. I know we've got a, a whole lot of things to catch up on. Uh, and we will schedule that for a time over a cocktail or two. But for today, um, we're going to stay focused on our, on our theme. Uh, I know that you and I could probably talk on any number of topics for any amount of time. Um, and would love to, frankly, uh, whenever we get the opportunity. Um, so sure. catch everyone up. We've done a couple of uh, shows this week on, on grief um, with you, and there's been some really, really great stuff that's come out of there. Today we're specifically looking at um, tools and social media and how those play in. Um, I know you've done some research on that. Can you kind of set the stage for folks? Um, first of all, for anyone who has missed the last couple of shows, uh, let everybody know who you are, where they find you, and then how we got on this topic of grief and social media. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so hello, thank you. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, you, you've missed two of the best drive-through shows ever in the history of the show, I think, um, despite me being part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, the, uh, uh, so I'm Jason Seiden. Uh, I, run a, uh, I run a small agency. I help companies uh, uh, develop clear and consistent messaging that they can use uh, you know, across the organization. And while on the face of it, that doesn't have anything to do with grief, uh, my story has, uh, my career has been in the HR, talent development, technology-related space for a couple of decades at this point. And a few years ago, I lost my daughter. Uh, and so I, I had to you know, navigate this space as an employee and then as a, as a consultant, um, kind of carrying that grief around with me. And, and really, uh, not a lot of resources, you know, for, for a middle-aged guy who, you know, people look at and go, oh, yep, we, we expect him to have his act together. This really threw me for a loop. So uh, when, when I was talking with Crystal uh, and she wants to know what I was talking, what I wanted to talk about, Said, you know, for all the communications work I do, we, there's a real gap uh, in in the world around how to communicate about grief, and uh, and that's you know what we've talked about for the last couple of days. We talked about the responsibility of the griever, the responsibility of people uh, who have a a griever in their midst. Uh, we actually talked about tactical things people uh, in an organization, whether their peers or manager, could do to ease the burden on the individual and ease the burden on themselves um, to, uh, you know, when trying to help somebody through, through grief. And I think doing that catches us up to where we are now. That's fantastic. And of course, it's, uh, 
if anyone, I can't imagine anyone hasn't listened to those episodes already, but if you haven't, of course, they're available for download uh, pretty much anywhere you listen to um, podcasting stuff. So, um, all right, so let's look at the, the social media and collaboration tools and how those play in. You know, that's a big piece of everyone's uh, work life these days. Um, you know, I've been working with remote teams for almost 10 years now, and we've gone through Basecamp and Workplace and Slack and Google Messenger and AOL and all the different things. Um, so I don't think there's anyone who <laughs> has, oh, and Microsoft Teams, I can't forget them, and Zoom uh, yeah. and Blue Teams. Yeah, and, don't teams. So I don't think there's anyone right. who doesn't have these tools, um, I'll say available to them instead of foisted on them, uh, as a way to interact with others. But I'm, I, I'm, of course, anxiously awaiting kind of your take on this topic and, and how these things uh, roll into the grieving process and the communication process with those around us. Uh, yeah, well, we can make this, we can make this entire conversation really short and sweet. We won't, but we could, um, you know, I think these tools in the nutshell are, they're too powerful. They're actually more powerful than we're prepared for. And that creates, uh, that creates real opportunities, but it also creates real risks. Uh, so, you know, that I can put a period right there and say we're, we're actually years away from really being able to use, um, use these tools fully. Uh, but, you know, to, to get into the, to introduce a, a longer conversation about it, um, it sounds cliche, but uh, the truth is, is I, I find the tools amplify whatever the individual using them is capable of. And so if they're capable of good, these tools can be wonderful. And if they're capable of not so good, <laughs> then they amplify that. And yeah. if you are not intentional, right? And, and if, if you're not intentional and you're just kind of like, you know, throwing out trial balloons and sort of faking it until you make it, then mm-hmm. you amplify a mess. Uh, and I'll, how about that for an introduction to the conversation about social tools? I think that's a lovely start. Um, I'll add in, I think one of the, the biggest challenges that, that I have not really seen anyone do well with, either on a platform or an individual, is that um, so many of these, they're, they're text-based. And, and you know this, you, know, like you lose so much of the context when it's a text conversation. And so, oh my God. you know, having a having an, a a web meeting is one thing where you can see each other. And although I'm still to this day like shocked by how many people don't get on video when we're trying to have meetings. Um, mm-hmm. But losing video, you lose a lot of context. Moving just a text, gosh, you know, like there's there's so many ways things can be taken. And I have seen like brawls erupt over something that the sender was like, I don't understand why that made you mad. Like, why is that upsetting to you? Why did you take it that way? And of course, communication is a two-way mm-hmm. street. You don't get to control how the other person receives your content. And when you lose the social cues, when you lose the tone of voice, when you lose the facial expressions, it's really tough. And I would imagine when you're in a grieving situation, like you're hypersensitive to, to someone else's words. And I could see where that would be a, a, a really difficult conversation to, to try to have over those tools. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that Crystal and I talked about the other day was, um, you know, going through grief, one thing that I, that I tried to do for me was let go of any judgment. Um, I, I became acutely aware of how personal 
grief is. And I became aware of how awful, as a general rule, society is in handling it. And so I kind of made a, a rule to myself to not judge. You know, if somebody sent me a message that hit me sideways, if somebody didn't send anything, what, what, I was just, my take was, you know what, I bet they're doing their best. This is a horrific circumstance. Uh, you know, people would say, you know, I don't know what to say. And, uh, you know, my, my response to that has always been, and, and probably always will be, listen, good. You know, I lost a child. I hope you never have to deal with this enough that you actually learn what to say in the circumstance. Like this yeah. one, it should yeah. always catch you sideways, you know. And so, you know, but that was me. So I, I, I kind of, I, I said, look, I'm not going to judge. I'm going to assume good intent. Uh, but even then, you know, I could, uh, I, you know, I've, I've got my support network, and I'd watch, I'd watch stuff erupt, and, um, you know, I. I have somebody who uh, who blocked me from all their social media. They, um, you know, I, I had friends who put together uh, uh, support for my daughter. They put together a day of giving, you know, as you know, for Al. And it was great. And, and that happened organically without me. And yet yeah. there's still somebody out there, at least one person who was like, I can't believe he's trying to capitalize on his daughter. I'm like, and, you know, I got blocked. I'm like, um, okay, <laughs> right? like, see ya. So I know that I was not afforded the same grace by everybody, and mm-hmm. I had to make peace with that too. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of context gets lost uh, with uh, with this, and not everybody uh, is in a place where they're able to say, "I'm going to extend grace and make good assumptions." A lot of people are in too much pain, and and they either assume the worst or they they can't help it. They just they see a problem and. Maybe it wasn't there to start with, but boy, it's there now. Yeah. Well, you know, I imagine the other thing to keep in mind with that is the the person on the other end of it, like they've got baggage too, right? So you, you you know what they've been dealing with, where they're at, you know, mentally, if if they're feeling well, if, if they're, I hate to use the word triggered, but if they've been triggered by something in the situation, they've seen it before, they've been a victim of something before, and they've said, you know what, like, I know what this is all about. I'm going to react to it. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think as a society, we're really bad at stepping back and saying, hey, this is how I'm interpreting what you're saying. I don't know if it's right. Um, Crystal and I have had many, many conversations where we we jockey back and forth around, you know, you're implying this. And they'll say, no, 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 you're inferring it. And if it's inferred, it's on you. Implication is on me. Inference is on you. Uh, And you own that. You can have it. And that's fine. You know. But I, I think, Dwayne, one of the things that makes this particular circumstance hard is that there's a real question over who owns responsibility for structure. And that's one thing that I think makes grief stand apart from other topics. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're in management, right, that, the, the implication inference debate, that's at the heart of all of this, right? And I, and I think that's exactly right. And, you know, if you're a manager trying to move the needle and, and your team doesn't understand you, well, you're the, you're the manager. It's on you. You have to take responsibility. Even if somebody else inferred the wrong thing, you own it. You take responsibility for it. You set the structure to provide the right context. And yeah. I feel like in most, right, in most situations, there is a party who is more responsible for setting that context. You know, and, and a lot of the examples are, are – um, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're small, they're kind of funny, right? If you're, if you're asking for a, a meeting, you take responsibility for saying, hey, how about Wednesday at two o'clock, you know, and, and that's how you, you get out of the whole, 
uh, you know, the back and forth of like, hey, does Wednesday work? Does Thursday work? What time? Not that, right? And, and we've all had those ridiculous. Uh, you know, and even more important things, right? It's um, if you make an ask of somebody, right? The, the person who initiates tends to be the one who's responsible for uh, setting context and correcting context if it goes awry. But in grief, I think what we don't talk about is that the person who's grieving really isn't in a state of mind to set that context. Yeah. And so who, who is it? <laughs> you know, how does the group around that person uh, step in and take responsibility for it? Um, and that's a, that's a real question. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts because I don't necessarily have an answer to it either. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to ask you what the answer was. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a so look. I mean, as 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 humans, I think it's safe to say that everyone's damaged in one way or another, right? Some are better at hiding. Um, so, so I go back to that idea of, you know, there's a when it's a specific incident, like there's a center point of that grief, but it's it the people around you are going to be dealing with their own reactions to the incident uh, to different levels to, to whatever it is. So, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, the, the person who's had, who has something they're dealing with. Yeah. They're not going to be in a position to, to give that context. And, and I think, you know, your point of trying to offer as much grace as possible is, is, is about, <laughs> it's not about, it's, it's more than what I think we should expect of people in that situation. It's great, but not everybody can do that. Um, so we have to rely on those people around us who know us best. And that's really tough in the workplace. I don't, I don't know that there's a simple answer for who has to own that. Um, I think a lot of people fall back on, you know, HR to be the ones who know how to handle the interpersonal stuff. Uh, I think, right. I wouldn't say managers, I think good leaders can step in, whether they're, a, you know, in a management position or not. Um, or, you know, the people you've got the personal relationships with at some point, you know, they have the opportunity to step in and kind of, I guess, shield you from some of that so that you don't have to deal with it yourself. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'll say, I'll say this. The, the punchline, you know, obviously I don't have an answer to this, but I do have some thoughts. And the, the punchline to the thoughts is that as a society, we would do really well to get back to the idea of the neighborhood. Um, I feel like part of this problem exists because we are stretched so far. Um, yeah. You know, we, you and I live in different cities. We're friends. We've been friends for a long time. Even if we don't talk for a while, you could yeah. call me with an ask, and I'm picking up the phone and I'm helping you out. Uh, but when when grief happens, you know, when when you need the, the all hands on deck, um, how do you right? It, it's invisible because we connect through social media and through the phone and through Zoom. So how do you know who else is coming together? And, and so the only real answer to that is to kind of make your world a little bit smaller. Make sure that whether it's, it's local or digital, that there is a neighborhood, that you've got a group of people who can come together. And, and that's the punchline. Now, if I step back and, and kind of show my work and, like, how I, I get to this idea of, of the neighborhood, and, and I can make this a little more concrete, too, in terms of what I mean, here's the story of, of how things came together for me. Hey, Dwayne, I'm back. Yeah, I there for a second. Welcome back. Yeah, you uh, know what? This is three days, three days in a row of, uh, of slight technical difficulties. I think uh, I, I, I blame Al. 
I think she's listening. <laughs> she is getting in the way of the technology. Um, where did I cut out? Uh, you were about to tell us your, uh, you were about to show your work. Yeah. So I, I was very lucky. Um, I have that neighborhood. I have that community. Uh, I had somebody right next to me, uh, Lisa Cervenka, who uh, was able to pick up a lot of the, a lot of the communications, right? The emails that were coming in. Uh, there's a lot of administration. There's a lot of coordination that needs to be done. And I had in her somebody who was able to help with that immediately. And separately, I had, um, I, I've got this community in the HR world where folks came together and, uh, you know, people you know, Lori Rudiman and Susan Lamott and um, uh, Mark Stelzner uh, mm-hmm. pulled together and said, hey, let's, we're going to put together this day of giving. And, and that helped bring together folks who weren't sure what to do or how to support. And it, it provided a, 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 a structure for that. And uh, at the time, I was, I was inside a company. Uh, I was literally negotiating to convert a, um, a consulting engagement to uh, a full-time engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an aside, if anybody's ever worried about like, hey, when do I admit this, this hard thing during a, a, a a job negotiation, um, don't worry about it. Like, imagine having to, you know, call somebody up and be like, hey, by the way, this is what I'm going through. Do you still want me on board? That was wild. Um, but, you know, initially, uh, that, it, it's interesting. Like, I had a little bit of structure there, but that's where the gap was. Because I wasn't in the organization I was coming in, uh, I was kind of coming in with this problem, and folks really didn't know how much I needed, you know, how much of that structure was already in place, what was appropriate, you know, I'm, I'm building relationships for the first time, how do you step into that? And so that's, that's where I, I kind of come to this idea of the neighborhood, because in the two areas where I had it, you know, my immediate uh, personal world, and then in, in my professional colleague world, that structure kind of happened organically, and it was a beautiful thing. At work, where I didn't have that, that's where I actually, that's where I struggled. Um, and that's where I had the pain. That's where I actually needed more support um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and didn't get it. That's interesting. You know, especially, yeah, to your point, coming into a new place, it's so hard to, to it's hard to open yourself up to, to work colleagues in the first place if you haven't built a relationship. I can't imagine trying to you know, build new relationships in a new place while carrying that around. I mean, I let, sometimes I look back on the last three years and I have to laugh because I also, I moved to a new community, right? So I'm like moving to a new community and I felt like I, you know, at work and at home, I just had this scarlet letter. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm that guy. <laughs> like, I'm the guy who just had the experience that none of you want to touch with a 10 foot pole. Let's talk. And, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's taken a while um, to settle out. But, you know, the, in terms of the role of social media, it can, really be, it can really be a wonderful tool to help bring people together and, and help that little neighborhood form. Um, you know, it, at work, you know, we use Skin Teams and Quip and all the things. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Crystal and I talked about this yesterday. What a powerful tool had, um, had the team sort of had a charter 
to get together and say, you know, and somebody maybe set up a thread without me and just be like, hey, does anyone know what's going on here? Yeah. And that thread very quickly would have come out like, nope, not sure. Um, you know, somebody, you know, we see maybe somebody would have said, you know, I saw this day of giving. That looks like it's covered. Have you guys seen anything related to uh, a food train? Have you seen anything related to, you know, whatever? And yeah. that could have been, that would have been using social in a really powerful way to uh, take responsibility for you know, for that's that kind of support, and then maybe somebody could have been deputized to give me a shout and say, "Hey, yo, we're we're tracking what's going on. We see this gap. Is you know, help us. Like, is that a real gap? We're happy. We're happy to to step in and fill it. Um, that's where social media could be really powerful, uh, in a positive way. It just it requires intentionality, and it requires uh, uh, you know, a, a proactive. Uh, approach to its use yeah i wonder how many people would if they were on the receiving end of that how many people would feel um connected and appreciated by their new team and how many people would feel like their privacy was invaded like i didn't bring this to my new workplace because and yeah i posted things on facebook and yeah they were public posts so i know anybody can see them but I really didn't expect you were going to go look at it and then bring that here. Like that's a really, um, yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, and you mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, I think, you know, that HR is kind of uh, assumed to be the go-to. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, everyone's different, right? We know that. Um, you know, one of the comments that I made yesterday was, I do think that we're, we're all unique the same way snowflakes are unique. Up close, we all have our individual differences, and from a few feet away, come on, like you yeah. know, we, we all look the same, right? And and, and I say that, um, you know, because we're we're all bound by the human condition, so there's only so many ways it could go, right? It, it's like yes, we're all individual, but at the end of the day, some of us do not want our our work people involved, and we're going to hold that line. Some of us think we don't want them, but once we get a little support from work, we'll open up to it. Some think we want it and it'll go south, right? And then some think we want it and and we, and we do. Like it, it will continue to be a good thing. Like those are literally there's four options, you know. So, um, like a company can manage that, and you know. And I'll tell you what I would have loved. Um, you know the the you know, and no names. Like everybody's doing their best. You know I don't I don't share any of this as as a, as yeah. a knock. Like this is a learning experience for everybody. Um, the, the donations came in. Holy cow! That was it. It made me so warm. Uh, it made me feel so good to see the names of some of the folks who I was about to work with show up on the donors list, and see mm-hmm. some of the, the senior executives show up. Like that was that was really touching. Um, yeah. Was right, but then but someone's got to be deputized to actually make that call to find out. And I think it's got to be it's got to be the highest person possible in the company. doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the CEO or that it has to be the CHRO. Folks are really busy and grief happens all the time. It's not necessarily going to happen at a time where they've got space in their day. But if it's possible, when that person reaches out and says, hey, listen, heard the news. This is awful. And I just want you to know, we hear it, we see it. Uh, We're going to, we'll support you. You're going to hear from some folks. If you don't, get what you need, 
or if you're getting more than you need, call this person, they're deputized to match our company's response to your needs. That's, that's all it takes. Um, you know, and that would, be, that would be a great start. And then I know sort of who the go-to person is. I've heard from up on high, so I know, you know, the, the company's on it. And, um, you know, and then I can talk to that person. Uh, right? And so if I get the question, like, what do you need? And I'm going to give the answer that, you know, you know the answer I'm going to get. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not sure. Uh, then, okay, I've talked to somebody. The company's represented themselves. And now I can get a follow-up call. And the follow-up call could be from HR. And it's somebody in HR who takes a compassionate view and just says, hey, Jason, maybe you want the support, maybe you don't. We're going to err to the side of showing up. You know, we believe in, in our people. We think there's real value in treating folks like humans. We're going to err to the side of, of showing up. If we cross the line, I'm the person to call, and I'll help dial it back. Great. You know, yeah. in another company, it might be the opposite. It might be, hey, we're going to err to the side of, of letting you be. We don't want to be intrusive. We, my point is either one of those things is okay as long as the call is made, a decision is made to say, hey, as a company, we're going to err to one side or the other if we don't know the person that well. We're going to be consistent with that. The call is going to go out. We're going to tell the person how we're going to respond, and we're going to give them the ability to override our decision. We're going to tell them who to call to, to use that override, and then boom, and then we're going to do it. That, it, it. At that point, it doesn't matter what the decision is as long as there's a process in place uh, yeah. to make it transparent. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty high um, organizational EQ to do that. And, and that's, <laughs> it, 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 it's frankly, it's unfortunate. Right? It, it, we would hope it would be second nature. Like this is how we deal with things, but I, I think that you know because again humans are fallible and and people are uncomfortable and so that's a hard thing to to think ahead and to build structure around, right? Because you don't want to sit and talk. About what do we do if this happens to one of our to one of our people? You know, whether brand new or right. or so I've I've worked in um, I've worked in organizations that like supporting employees who lost. I've worked in organizations that lost employees on the job. Um, and, and the organizational response to that, to the latter one was very much around, you know, safety and wellness and making sure people understood what they should do in different situations and that. Um, but, but it, it didn't, they did not deal with the grief of having, you know, the, the people that you're used to seeing in, in the office or in the building. Um, gone, and mm -hmm. it was a very business-like approach. And it was like, yes, we we feel terrible that we've lost these members, but more importantly, we need to focus on the go forward so this doesn't happen again. And that was, you know, a workplace accident where that had taken place. So they had a lot of responsibility there. But I but I thought yeah. about that like how difficult that response as an organization is to recognize the loss of of the individual. Yeah. Um, that's well, and you know what? Not not every business can slow down and right. that's okay too. Uh, you know, like there's like, there were days where uh, I was in a fog and, and couldn't, you know, do much, but trust me, there were plenty of days where I dove into my work and double timed it because I was just running away from feelings that I did not want to have catch up to me. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, it's, it's not that I needed 
Uh, you know, and again, like I'm, I'm talking from my own experience and, and hoping that the story is kind of a starting point for folks to think about this. This is not like a hard and fast, like do this. Um, yeah. For me, like, I knew where I was working. Like, we had mission critical processes that we were running on behalf of clients that couldn't stop. So that's fine. You know, it, all I need is like the eye to eye recognition of, of what's going on and the recognition that like, hey, life isn't going to stop. So, yeah. you know, if we find we need to make some accommodations or if we need to support you, we will. But you know what? We hope that your, your work is meaningful. We hope that the, the people that you connect with, it, uh, you know, that these are meaningful relationships. And we hope that staying connected to these folks through work just provides an anchor, right? Like, I wish we could stop the world. We can't. So let's look at your work as a way to stay connected with the world, to, yeah. uh, to continue to pull yourself through. And we'll do what we can to be cognizant of what you're going through. And we're going to say, you know, right up front, you know, if you need a couple of days, take a couple of days. And we appreciate the fact that you understand mm-hmm. that as hard as it is, life doesn't stop and that you'll be here for the organization. That's an okay conversation. Yeah. It's okay it, trade-off. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to do right. And, and as we sit here, um, you know, I'm thinking about, I had a, <laughs> I won't go into details on this, but um, years back, I was in a, a role that I really enjoyed. I really liked the people I worked with. Uh, I had been there for a few years and we had a loss and it was tough. Mm-hmm. This was, this was uh, mid-December, this happened. And I had a couple of weeks of vacation that I had just was at the point of career where I just didn't take vacation, right? We had enough to have had enough to do. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it and thinking, this is a really good time to, to step back for a little bit. Like, this is going to be tough. And, like, called, called folks and said, hey, like, here's what's going on. And I've got this time and there's nothing that's super pressing. And so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time. I'm off. And, and again, it's a place I really liked, liked all the people there. And the response I got back from, from my direct manager was, well, I don't know that we really want anybody to be out, you know, for two whole weeks at the end of the year. So, you know, take a couple of days, but then be back in the office. Mm-hmm. And, and my relationship never recovered with that person or that company. Like, never. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, it, it I'm so a, sorry to hear that. Well, it's, I, I appreciate it. It's been long enough that I've gotten over it, but, but it, it wasn't based on a particular need to the company. It wasn't on the need of the individual. It was just a, it was a knee-jerk reaction to, yeah, we try not to have everybody out at the same time. And so uh-huh. it was like, oh, okay, yeah, but I mean, you know, but we'd rather you be here. So, you know. Um, uh, look, you, you know, samesies, you know, like I, I had, yeah. uh, and I, I mentioned this, I mentioned this in yesterday's show too. Like, uh, I had a, a manager I, you know, I think, I think if you ask this person, you know, did you check in with Jason? They'd say, oh, yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'll tell you is those check-ins uh, almost universally came at the top of a call just to make sure I was okay before launching into the agenda. Yeah. And that's not a check-in, right? So um, here's the kicker. 2020 kind of reset people's tolerances for work. And... Uh, you know, the, the, you know, so the, maybe this wasn't needed once upon a time. Maybe once upon a time, work was work and home was home. But now uh, people are literally voting with their feet to work in organizations where they're actually seen as a human. 
and that people are deciding not to burn the midnight oil every day just so that, you know, a CEO can have a few extra bucks when the stock goes up. They're saying, right. no, you know, I, I, I want a piece of the, you're going to compensate me. I'm going to do my work and I'm going home. Right? Like, yeah. I just, I just lived 2020. Like, I think I learned that I should live a balanced life. Like, um, and so this is going to be more important moving forward. Maybe it wasn't in the past, but um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be important, I think, for organizations to do one of two things, either to provide training and support for managers to help them with their empathy and their emotional intelligence, or to at least have somebody on staff who has it and then deputize that person to deal with issues like this. Is, is HR the right place for that to live? I mean, it, it feels right to me. Like, I always think of HR as supposed to kind of be the, the emotions of an organization. I know they're not always, but right. Um, right. Place? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, HR, uh, so HR has a problem. Um, and, and the way that I've always viewed the problem is this. Um, its structure tends to be inverted. And I know this has been changing over the last few years, but I'll compare it for a second to finance. In finance, you have a CFO who thinks strategically about the company from a, a money perspective, and then someone below the CFO, you have a controller who manages the ins and outs of dollars, right, and keeps the blood flow going. And if you think of kind of like the typical historical structure of HR, it's flipped. Talent, which is sort of like thinking strategically about the company from a, a can our people do the job uh, perspective, that tends to be a department in HR versus like the head of HR tends to be more uh, focused on the ins and outs of people, right? Like, do we have enough butts and seats? Uh, do we have a, a labor union issue? Do we, right, they're, they're dealing with uh, the issues that will get the company sued, you know, or making sure that just the, the mechanics of people are being dealt with. And then the, the strategy is handed below. Now, like I said, that's starting to, that's been uh, in flux for a while now. But when you ask, like, is HR the right place for it? My answer is, like, it should be. <laughs> right? But whether or not it is, I think that's, uh, that's going to be a company-by-company company thing. Um, whoever owns culture should own this. If that person is in HR, then, yeah, HR should own it. If culture is broken out and it lives someplace else or if the CEO has it or if there happens to be that charismatic executive who's the head of marketing who's kind of the heart and soul of the company, whoever that person is, that's actually who needs to own it, at least in the short run until a company is able to get the systems in place. It, it needs to be that person who is responsible and capable of representing the heart and soul of the company. Jason, I hope it's saying- HR. Are you, are you saying a VP of engineering can't be charismatic and the heart and soul of the company? Oh, yeah, I picked, I picked on marketing, but, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, look, I've, I've, you know, as we all have, like we, we've all seen it, you know, um, if it's the CEO, it should be the CEO. If the CEO is uh, kind of an enabler, you know, somebody who builds the team around them and, and doesn't have that, that warmth and charisma, that's fine. But then yeah. let the, we all know who that person is at the executive level who kind of sets the tone for the organization. That's the person who should drive. 
that's the person who we all want to hear from. Yeah. I think about um, um, Douglas, uh, not Douglas Adams, sorry, Scott Adams, the guy that writes Gilbert. He did a mm-hmm. uh, called um, The Religion War. I think it was The Religion War. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the content that was interesting was like, if you, if you do enough mapping, because you can map your organization to find out who are your real influences. And sure. if, you, if you track that back far enough, you can actually figure out like who's the most influential person in the world. And in this particular example, it was like interest in, a, in New York, just that's how it worked out. But I, I, I always think about that with, with organizations, like you can map it, figure out who the most influential person is. You can figure out who sets the tone at the executive level. It's not always the CEO, right? It could be the charismatic marketing person or HR or, or finance. But, but I do yeah. think that there, there's wisdom there in like, be honest with yourself about your team. Like, who is it that really that's that tone. And it's not just by position. Yeah, well, this, right. And, and this is one, where I'll, I'll say what you said before. This takes incredible emotional intelligence because uh, the ego is going to come out. And, yeah. you know, this is one where everyone wants to say, oh, it's me. And it really, when you're in pain, when you're grieving, you don't care about right. the infighting. You don't give a shit about who's, you know, got the bigger swing and, you know, bat, I'll say. You just <laughs> want to hear from somebody, you know. And, and if you hear from the wrong person, it will do damage. It will do – and you said, right, both of us have the experience. It's permanent damage. If the yeah. wrong person calls me, that's who the organization chose to represent it. Mm-hmm. That's how the organization is showing up in my life, and we're done. You know, like it's either right or it's wrong. So uh, it, 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 it's full stop. Uh, it, it's funny. Years, years and years ago, I tried buying a car, and um, I called the dealership, and I'm like, all right, I made my decision. I'm good. Call me back. Let's wrap it up. And I never heard back from the sales guy. I ended up buying hmm. a different car from a different dealership. Six months later, I get a call from the manager of that first dealership. He goes, you know, that the sales guy was like, go. I found your name. Uh, so sorry about that. Uh, are you still interested? I'm like, dude, I was six months ago. <laughs> I bought a car, <laughs> you know, I'm all done. He's like, I just want you to know, you know, that he, he doesn't represent our, uh, our dealership. And I said, au contraire, his sales, <laughs> his title is sales representative. He absolutely represents your dealership. Your dealership left me hanging for six months. You don't get my business. Yeah. And companies need like the, there's a, there's a real lesson there. You can't just say, oh, this person who did a bad job doesn't represent us. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. So, uh, you know, when it comes to this, uh, please put it, it. Actually, it's funny. Well, far less tolerance of mistakes made by the organization I was with than I was by my friends. As much as I, I was willing to look past the, the social media snafus and inferences and implications and go, you know, I'm assuming people are doing their best. Yeah. The organization, I assume that there's a call, there's a meeting, there's intentionality to whatever's coming my way. And so if it's wrong, I go, that's the best this company can do. That's how the company chose to represent itself. And if I thought the company was able to do better and I got something less than what I knew the company was capable of, yeah. I, I was far less forgiving. Yeah. Well, I, I think that makes sense because your friends are people that you choose to be around, right? Your organization, you've, you, you work there. 
and that's a different relationship and you're it makes sense to be as forgiving of it. Um, you know, but, but that goes beyond just response to grief. And, and I don't think that's a, that's a huge shocking statement, but, um, I know somebody who, who recently started a job and mm-hmm. like made a little bit of a leap to take it. And, uh, they were only there a few weeks. And when we talked about it, they said, yeah, one of the things that really convinced me not to stay is hearing the CEO talk about, or I'm sorry, hearing someone else in, in the same position talk about getting a call from the CEO and spending an hour on the phone with this person, like talking about the company and their background, like having this great conversation to introduce them to the company. And Mm -hmm. the other got none of that, never heard a word. And so it's like, Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. And I'm not tolerant of those things. And I I don't want to be here for that. Uh, But there was more involved, but that like that left a mark for sure. Yeah, this, this this happens to be one of those areas where the marks uh, they're indelible, they're fast, they're intense. But mm-hmm. I think you're I think you make a really good point. The lesson is a universal lesson, and it's it's just it's always true that um, the companies are you know you're you're being you're being assessed by your employees, and mm-hmm. now especially with hybrid work, the transaction cost of leaving it's lower than ever before. Yeah. So if I don't like what I see, voting with my feet costs me. Almost nothing. Yeah. And, and you know, the only way to combat that is to yeah. do better. You, <laughs> you have more than just that, though. You have the hidden cost of people being disengaged when they're working from home. Right? Because, like, yeah. I don't have to, like, get my stuff and, you know, go out to the car and try to sneak away without being seen. I just go upstairs. God, that's true. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Click a button. Oh, I guess I'm out. You know, and here's the thing, you know, and the, the, the premise of all of this is, like, where's the power of communication tools? And I, and I, I said earlier, you know, communication tools, um, they're more powerful than we're able to handle. And so, you know, they require a level of intentionality. Fixing this stuff isn't complicated. It, right. It's hard because our egos get in the way. We're, you know, our uncertainty gets in the way. We think we need to know what the answer is. And we don't. We just need to have the conversation, right? It's like... People might be listening going, well, you know, I'll have the conversation when I know if, if my company should get involved or not get involved. It's like, it doesn't matter. Right? Like, you get to pick either one, make the call, and just be explicit about what the call is. It's making the call, not what it, you know, it's not the what that's driving it. It's the, it's the how you're communicating it. So yeah. the communication, there's so much solution that exists just at the communication level. I get it. I understand this is a, uh, a, uh, a blind spot for society. I understood when I was going through it, it was a blind spot for my company. Mm-hmm. All I needed was to hear, hey, this is a blind spot for us. We pride ourselves in doing well. We're not going to do as well with this because we don't know how. Yeah. We're trying. And let's just do this together. That's, that's a communication level solution, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, there's, yeah. no, there's no process behind it. There's no action behind it. There's no decision behind it. It is simply, I see you. I'm acknowledging what's going on. It's communication. And the problem is you've earned, you've earned the right to fight another day. Um, so yeah. I would really just, I would encourage, I would encourage anybody who's not sure how to handle this or who's, who's dealing with this to focus on the communication around grief as uh, a core part of the solution, because we all know that the you know, this, the, the real solution is going to take time to implement. 
In the meantime, do the things that build a relationship. Just show up. Just ask somebody how they're doing, you know, and, and those are simple things that go a long way to mitigate the challenges. And I would, I would add to that for anybody who's not really sure what to do there. Like you don't have an option of whether or not you communicate. If you don't reach out, that's communication too. So like doing nothing, oh, yeah. <laughs> wrong message. So, um, and it's, for and I sure. think, well said. And anyone who's who's been on, you know, the, the receiving end of those messages, like it's kind of to the point you made earlier, like I don't really know what to say. Well, that's expected, and and hopefully you never do, right? Um, but I think that again, anyone who's been there has has will tell you, like I don't. It's not really about what people say; it's about knowing that they're there, because there is nothing that you're likely to be able to do. You can't fix it. You can't mitigate it. Like, but the, just the acknowledgement to your point, I see you as a person, not as a coworker, not as a resource. I see you as a person. And, and, mm-hmm. and I've, I've caught myself many times saying, look, I know there's nothing I can do here, but if there is like, all you have to do is say so. And it's done. And that's enough for, you for, know, I, yeah. No, I, I think you're, I think you raised such a good point. Um, and if, if I may, I'd, I'd like to just you know, share some of the some of the things that I heard that were that were really good. Um, that would be lovely. You know, I yeah. I mean, look, so I don't need or expect anybody to get in the hurt box with me. You know, mm-hmm. what happened to me is awful. Um, what happened? What happened to Al? It's awful. <laughs> you know, the front row seat that I had to it sucks. You know, so when when folks would say to me, I can't imagine. I'm like, yeah, please don't. <laughs> like, God, like, you know, like. I, I can recognize how awful this is. Like, I don't wish this on you. Like, just give your kids a hug and, and yeah. you know, and those were always, those were always the best calls that I would get. Like, Jason, I, I know, I know that this is an awful time. I want you to know that I'm thinking about you. And um, I took the time to put my phone down and spend the day with my family on a Saturday when I had work to do. Uh, I want you to know, like, I just had an amazing dinner with my family and I gave my kids an extra hug and I did it because of you and because of, you know, of, of, of the loss. And that, you know, that, that, uh, that alchemy, pain to joy, uh, yeah. was amazing. I love those messages. Um, also, people who – I had one guy uh, say – he just said the, the greatest thing. You know, he found out we were having a conversation. And it's, you know, I get the question, how many kids do you have? How old are they, right? So, well, here we go. Yeah. Um, and, right, and he, he looks at me, and um, uh, he's like, you know what? I've thought about this. Uh, I think people who have lost a child get a buy for the rest of their lives. Like if you decide to be an axe murderer, I'm not going to judge that, and we can still hang. Hmm. And, then he, and then we went right back into the conversation. And it was, it was so disarming. It was so um, – a little bit of humor. Little, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not about to be an axe murderer. But it, was, it just was – uh, he recognized it was way beyond the capacity. He acknowledged it. And then we went right back into talking about like hockey. Um, yeah. And it, it was fine. Like I, you don't have to right? So those, those kinds of, of messages, the acknowledgement and then moving on um, really, really helpful. Um, what I would, uh, I don't know what to say is totally fine. <laughs> right? Showing up, sending a note, not sure what to say other than I am thinking of you. And I'm wishing you well, uh, you know, much love, you know, use the word love. I don't care if you're a grown man sending a note to another grown man, 
use the word love. It's the correct word to use. You like don't hide behind sincerely and, you know, just try, just get real. And, yeah. and those are the, those are always the best messages that I got. And, and I was always able to receive them in the spirit that they were sent. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Thanks for sharing that. Um, anything as far as um, <laughs> any difference for you hearing the messages, whether it was, a phone call, a Slack message, an email, like does the channel matter for those things? Um, a little bit. Timing matters more than the channel. Uh, you know, there's the flood of messages early and then the, the silence afterwards is kind of deafening. Mm-hmm. Um, given how easy it is to send a note through social, I would say do it. You know, send a reminder to yourself and just, you know, ping, thinking of you. It's all like those three words, thinking of you. It's all it takes. Um, there's... Um, um, I think with this, you know, so timing is the, kind of the biggest thing, but I, what I will say is um, you know, matching the channel to the relationship. Uh, and there's no hard and fast rule here, but uh, it, some people it's, you have to call them or you have to show up. So yeah. you don't use Facebook messenger for those people. Um, other folks you don't know as well. Um, you know, if you're not sure that you're in their phone, then send a social media message so your, your name and face shows up. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a handful of texts from random numbers, and let me tell you, it's awkward. Getting a really heartfelt, I'm so sorry for your loss, and having to respond with, thank you so much, who is this? Yeah. So, uh, I'll uh, tell you, for yeah. me, I, I actually, the, um, the, the social messages, I... And, and I may be and probably unique in this, the, like the social messages, Facebook Messenger, DMs, whatever. I actually, I, I really appreciated those more when those things have happened mm-hmm. because you can go back to them later. Like phone calls are great. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. But, but to be able to go back and look at those messages later is, is also really powerful stuff. Yeah, I've done that once or twice. I think you're right. <laughs> um, I'll say I'll, I'll I'll build on that. Not only can you go back on them, but they they build on themselves. Um, you know, if you're worried that like, oh, hey, this came up as an anniversary, I'm gonna send it. He's gonna know it's an like, I don't care. Send it anyway. Great. You know, shows up. Um, that's that helps. Uh, there. Uh, so I'll say this: there are groups for suicide survivors. Mm-hmm. And for parents who have lost children, for all these, all these folks, they tend to be really sad. They tend to be really sad all the time. There's, there's constantly new people coming in who are in the throes of their pain. And so my social media exposure related to this topic tends to be heavy because it tends to be overweighted. Because of those groups, it tends to be overweighted with people who are really, really hurting right now. So having the counterbalance of upbeat messages, notes from friends who, uh, who I haven't heard from in a while, who are just saying, hey, thinking of you, it helps bring balance into, into my life. Um, and so it's, it's not just that I can go back and, and read them in the past. It's also on an ongoing basis, you know, a million little, hey, thinking of yous really helps counteract some of the, the heaviness that, that, um, that I, I have just inherently in my life because of the club I now belong to. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a common thing that we're, we're all going to deal with at some point in different ways. 
Um, I think that recognizing, you know, when you're going through a, a grief event that, you know, it's a human condition, that you're not alone, that other people, they may not completely understand it, but, but they, can, they can sympathize and most can empathize. Um, and knowing that you're not alone in those moments, even if it's just a note that says, hey, thanks so much, I hope you're well, right? Knowing you're not alone in those moments, I think, is, is more uplifting than, than we recognize when we're not in ourselves. Yeah. Uh, when in doubt, send the note. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the punchline of this part of the conversation. If in doubt, send the note. And, it, and it's, it's truly, it's never too late. I still, it's been three years, um, I still get notes from folks saying, hey, sorry, that I wasn't there. Uh, I didn't know what to say. And it's still nice to hear from them. I'm yeah. not mad that they weren't there. I'm happy they're showing up now. Yeah. Yeah. It's never too late to be a friend. There you go. Exactly. Well, well said. Uh, thank you. I, uh, I, I, I wrote it down years ago. I wasn't sure when I would ever use it, but I'm glad I finally got to that point. Um, <laughs> for a good quip. Um, so, so this has been three really, really special and important episodes, and I'm really, really grateful that you, you chose to share with us. Um, anything else for, for those of us who have, or those who have hung with us through these three episodes, any, any kind of last thought, things we haven't touched on or, uh, or resources to share with those folks? Um, I wish there were more resources. Uh, you know, there, there's you type in grief, you know, there's grief.com. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's Facebook groups galore for every kind of grief, uh, whether it's the loss of somebody close, people going through cancer, all of this stuff. Um, so the, the resources, I, I, that's a journey. I think everybody's kind of, kind of have to do on their own. The stuff that I found helpful, um, you know, I know from comparing notes is not necessarily what other people find helpful. Um, but I think what you just said about it's never too late to be a friend. There's so much power to that. And, uh, you know, and what I'll, what I'll say, I'll just reiterate, you know, something that kind of anchored me through my journey. I was, I was very lucky when, you know, right when, when I lost Al in the days that followed, I was in shock. Thank God for that. And I had this thought that, this feeling of like, here's this girl who's expanded my capacity for joy when she was born and now has expanded my capacity for grief. And in so doing has just truly expanded my capacity to, to experience and appreciate life. And, and on some level, like how do you just not be appreciative of somebody who gives you that gift? Um, that's been my true North. And I've, I've constantly reached for that. Um, I've compared notes with enough people to know, that that's a very, very fortunate moment that I had and that I was able to hold on to. Uh, but I also know from experience of sharing that with others that it's helpful to hear. And so what I would love for people to take away from all of this is don't be afraid of joy. Don't be afraid to smile, to laugh, to to bring light into the life of somebody who's in a dark place. They may not be able to receive it. They might reject it, but God, there's so many moments that I couldn't reach that alone. I needed help. And if I hadn't had people around me, if I hadn't had my neighborhood reaching for me, bringing light, offering it over and over again, my journey would have been way darker and way longer than it, than it was. So show up, be a friend. And, you know, send a funny meme. Like, it doesn't have to – you don't have to get in the hurt box with me. 
be the light and, and give me uh, give me a rope to try and reach you when I'm ready. Uh, I, I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap because those are, uh, that's great, uh, great advice and great sentiment. So um, Jason, thank you so much for, for opening up and sharing with us. I hope that someone out there um, who maybe is dealing with this either for themselves or someone near them uh, can take something away from these last couple of days um, and, and take some of that advice and reach out. And uh, it's never too late to do that. So, um, so Jason, so thank much. you. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and let's do this in, uh, in person sometime real soon. I got the bourbon ready to go. I cannot wait. Um, all right. Thank you everybody for joining us. Um, I hope you've enjoyed these last three shows. I hope you enjoy all the shows, but I hope you've enjoyed these. Um, and, uh, if they, if they resonated with you, uh, feel free to share them with someone else who you think might need to hear the same thing. Um, we're here to help. So we're, uh, we're going to play what I assume will be some completely inappropriately upbeat outro music. Um, hope you are all having a, uh, a positive day today and uh, we hope to see you next time around. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.